remain standing a moment while we bow our heads before the Lord and offer prayer. While we have our heads bowed, I wonder how many in here would like to be remembered in prayer before God. Just raise your hand in your request. Let's pray. Gracious and holy Father, God, we humbly come into thy presence with thanksgiving on our hearts. Because that you so loved us that you gave the only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth should not perish but have eternal life. Oh God, those who have received this great blessing of promise, how thankful we are, Lord. And our hearts are burning for others to receive this joy unspeakable and full of glory that's been given to the human race. There are those that are sick and needy tonight, Father. Laying here afflicted and smitten and stricken and caught at the sick world. But God will make a provision for us, Lord. For it is written, He was wounded for our transgressions, and with His stripes we were healed. Our Father, we are just His servants. We're trying to give the people Thy word. And if they might and understand. And we know that all things are possible to them that believe and make it so real to the congregation tonight that there will not be a feeble one in our midst in the service of God. Not be one sinner, all be saved, inside and out. May the cops be empty, the wheelchairs lifted up, every person with heart trouble, cancer, dying, May it all be a jubilee time over the city and around about through the valley. Start an old-fashioned revival that will sweep up and down this coast, Lord, because of your presence tonight. Establish our hearts and our faith on thee, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And if you I've given this one a great privilege to be here in this uh, auditorium at the fairgrounds tonight. And I was sorry that last night how we had to rush and hurry right through because of the alert of the army, and we did not get to even get a foundation. You know, our great adversary, the devil, if he can't touch us in one way, he'll try another. If you can get all the people in one accord, then you can't bother that, so then you'll do something else that's just in some other way. So that we can not exactly be quiet and listen and watch and believe and then see the works of the Lord. So I'm grateful for this auditorium tonight. Sorry to see hundreds of people standing, and we are. Just, I'm sure the association is doing all that they know how to do to make room for people to, to be seated. And I, I believe that this keeps up like this, it deserves a try over, don't you think so, folks? To try it again, uh, maybe can, we can get a tent and put it out here somewhere and see 20,000 people in this leader state for three or four weeks and we really get acquainted and know one another. And if the Lord being willing, what we, you, what you give me the welcome, and I appreciate that. If that be the will of the Lord, I, I always want to follow his leading, just where he goes. Leading, you know, we know we're right. 
I tell you why. If you run into trouble somewhere, and then if you're not sure of your reading, then Satan can say, well, yeah, it is. But if you know your Lord, you can read my back again and say, I come in the name of the Lord. So just move back, that's all. And you'll have to do it. If the Lord sent you, all the foreign fields and go over there where we have so much of witch doctors and things to continue with, but whenever you know that you are led to do it, the Holy Spirit directed you to do it, and the opposition is nothing, and you stay right on the ground, you stay right there and move on until victory comes. And so tonight, I trust that I won't keep you too long. I want a little skip to reading, and then we're going to have an awful time getting a prayer on it. Yeah, I see it. Both days passed, but all who have these prayer cards, hold on. I'll tell you, under these circumstances, since I come to the outside, and a young fellow told me, he said, Brother Brennan, they're just passing you, some of those other places that we end up. The room, I said, well, the only way I can read, I'm here for one purpose, for the glory of God, at first, and for the salvation of souls, second, and to try to see the state, you know, third. So that's, and I never come to take the doctor's patient, no, I come to pray for the doctor's patient, the pastor's member, my friend, and just pray for them. And now, I thought maybe we would do this Sunday with an afternoon service. That way it would be warm and the people won't mind maybe standing back in their outside. But if tonight and tomorrow night, if we can bring the, by the grace of God, through the word of God, the realization of the presence of God, see? Then when we start the real prayer line, line up the hundreds of what it is to be prayed for, I believe then we'll get the results. In other words, it's building, like a minister building his text around a certain subject and then learning and all his material and driving it down, a carpenter, sitting his board, then nailing it on. And that's what we want to try to do because he has no reason to be here. He just wasn't trying to do something to help people. That's why we're here. I, if, if he, if this young man laying here on this that precious little darling sitting on the wheelchair, little top. This poor mother laying here on the stretcher. That lady sitting on the chair. Something, some man out there dying with heart trouble. Some mother to eat up with cancer. Well, if I could do anything to help them, I, I would not be a, an excuse for a ministry if I could do something and, and wouldn't do it. I don't have a place back here for me if I would do that way. If I could... I say this is sound strange, uh, but if I could take a, a quarrel and push it with my nose in this city to heal somebody, I'd do it. I would do it. I know what I mean to be sick. I've been sick myself. And then where I found where the doctor said that I could never be well and never live, and then found something that I live that I, I want to tell everybody else about it, you see. And I'm then trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit the way he would set it just where he could get the very best results in this little short time that we have. Now, it really takes longer to stay in the meeting and what we're doing here because many times people listen and doesn't understand and they go out and, and the first little uh, out-of-the-way feeling they have, 
No matter how much you try to tell people, they, they'll still rely on their feeling. It's just one of the senses that they operate. That if I feel better, I believe it, see? But that has nothing to do with it. And if we can be there long enough in the meeting with the people to let them see what the reality of it is and how to stay with God, then you get the good results when you do that. So now I trust that you'll linger with me and know that I'm in my room praying and seeking God every hour that I can to try to do what I can for the kingdom of God and for you while I'm here with you. Now, tomorrow night, remember, and then uh, if, if your prayer cards are not called, hold them. We are obligated to pray for the sick people we give prayer cards to. So we, we're morally obligated to do that, and we'll do it for the grace of God and everybody, if we possibly can. That's um, the most. Now, if we could be here several, maybe two or three weeks, but we could just start to do so many and so many, we finally did right to it. Uh, but if, if we are going to try not to give out too many prayer cards, just as many as we can think we have ample time to take up. Take up as many through the night as we can. Now, I was going to say something last night. This sounds strange in another city. I put my seats into a cleaner's to be pressed. And I've lived out of a suitcase for about 15 years now. Seats wrinkle up, and I had to put my two seats down to be pressed. And and then the little lady that paid for that press job, and here I thank you, sisters. I went in and wouldn't let me pay for it. Said two sisters of that had paid for it, and the lady said, they come rubbing the seats. Oh, that's real sweet. I, I appreciate that. That's real nice. Of course, there, there is, that is just a suit of clothes, but uh, I trust that if something you wanted, God will honor your faith, you see, by, by doing so. See. But it's just a suit. So I appreciate your your faith and belief that I'd be telling you at least just telling you the truth to be honest with you and um, thank you very kindly I said to the ladies let me give them the money said no said no so they, they wouldn't stand for that so if you're here thank you it was a star cleaner down at the, uh, it's the city where we just come from now I, I start on tonight a subject of a testimony meeting out of the Bible and I want to read for a text out of St. Matthew, the 14th chapter, the 27th verse. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Do the good cure, it is I, be not afraid. Now I want to take a subject for this testimony meeting of Be Not Afraid. There's two elements that control the entire human race and the world. One of them is fear, the other is faith. That's, it's either fear or faith controls every nation, every uh, denomination, and every individual. Either fear or faith that controls it. Now, it must have been about the setting of the sun. The sun is going down and the little boat is stuck on the bank because the disciples had climbed aboard and the big strong man which we believe to be Simon the uh, fisherman well acquainted with boats in the lake because his occupation was to fish and now 
As he began to take these big brown arms and backs and pushing the little boat off the bank, climbed aboard, sat down by the side of his brother Andrew and picked up his oars. One day, the boats were either propelled by the, the oaring or blown by a sail. And I believe that sometimes the oar, if they had a strong wind, they could also run up a sail. And there, there must have been about a crowd about us drifting on the bank, waiting all, I mean, congested like this, but perhaps many times this many, I think it's about 5,000, and they were standing on the bank waiting. They were doing these uh, servants of Christ farewell. Now, I believe if we make this story form so that you'll see that I'm not getting out of the scripture. The scriptures is what we believe in. And when God has made a promise, then God must stay with his promise. He cannot leave the promise and remain God. Perhaps they oar out a few hundred yards and then make a stroke or two with the two-handed oar. And as they had to do it on Polly and Queen West, pulling the little ship as he sailed along, cutting the water in the quiet Galilee, the sea as the calm was up on the sea at the sundown. And on the shore, the people were waiting, asking them to come back again, visit them. And as the last ones dimmed out, the last farewell, the disciples must have Road pretty heavy, then knowing they had quite a, a tussle across that sea through the night. Be over on the other side. As it got just about dark so they couldn't see the people anymore, it must have been the young John. That stopped oaring and maybe not as used to the oaring as the rest of the hardened seaman was. Stopped, brushed the hair back from his face and and taking a little breath, a little time to breathe. They kind of catch their breath from oaring so hard, trying to get a, as much across as he could before it got dark. I imagine they started a testimony meeting, and young John must have said something like this. My brethren, after today, I don't believe there could be any of us ever think that we're a fallen or deceiver. I believe in my way of thinking, he proved himself today to be exactly what we expected him to be. Say, did you, brethren, notice today when that crowd of hungry people that are thronged around him to hear the word of God and to see how they pressed and pushed to get around and some of them hadn't eaten all day in those mothers, how pale they looked with their little babies and nursing and so forth, and the sick pressing around. But when he asked for that fishes, not seen that little boy, and he brought that little five little biscuits or two little pieces of fish up there, and he set them all down about fifties upon the grassy hillside, and I myself wondered what he was going to do when he just had one little lunch. 
That's some little boy perhaps playing truant from school and off and he heard the crowd and he went up on the hill to see what was taking place and it's so fascinating he just forgot about his lunch. He wanted to see what this great speaker was saying. Watch what he was doing. And when I noticed him take that bread, them little pieces of biscuits, hold them up and bless them, when I seen him break that bread and put it over into the hands of we brethren and reach back off of that same biscuit and get another piece of biscuit. And when he reached back again, there was another piece of biscuit. Already grown and baked and seasoned and ready for eating. You know what, brother? He might have said something like this. It reminded me of the Bible stories that I used to hear my mother tell me about. When I was a little Jewish boy, I remember my uh, pretty little mother and how she used to tell me, Honey, when our people came up out of Egypt, we were slaves one time. And when we had a great prophet rise up among us, Moses, who God sent to us to help us be delivered from our afflictions of the bondage. And Moses, of course, could not make bread. But when we had two and a half million people out in the wilderness where there was no wheat or nothing to make bread out of, Jehovah rained bread down out of the heavens for us. And I used to wonder, I'd say, Mother, has Jehovah got a big bunch of angels up there in a big lot of ovens that he bakes his bread? Where did he get this bread at, Mama? Or could we look up in the skies and see the fires from his oven each night when they were baking it? Mother would probably said something like this. No, son. You're too young to understand. Jehovah don't have to have ovens. Jehovah's a creator. He just creates the bread and it falls down to the earth. Young John, when he was standing up in the boat testifying to the brethren, confessing his supreme faith in Jesus, said he must have been some connection with Jehovah. Because he created bread like Jehovah did. So to me, he truly is the Messiah. Because he's the Son of God, he, he can create and make bread and, and do just as Jehovah did. So that settled it with me. When I seen him break that bread and those fishes, and not only just raw fish, but it was cooked fish, ready to eat. I like to ask my listening audience tonight, what kind of an Adam did he turn loose then? When he had cooked fish and and cooked bread and tucked five biscuits and two little fishes and fed five thousand people and took a basket full left over. What did he do? What would science say about that today? What kind of an atom or molecule or whatever they want to call it that let loose sand? But he did it. 
And little John was convinced that the Bible stories that Mother told him about Jehovah, that same Jehovah was manifested in a man called the Lord Jesus Christ. Because no one else could have done it. He was the Creator. Well, Simon, you know how he is. He's always ready to testify. And just like any other normal Christian who really knows God, knows the Lord Jesus, is ready to give his testimony right quick. And as we spoke something about him last night, I might rehearse his testimony. He said, Why, brethren, when I used to sing this sea here with my father years ago, and I know you all knew my dear old Pharisee father. I was uh, a great man of church and believed in God. Always of a morning before we go to fish, we depended on it for a livelihood, so he'd have me kneel down with him and pray out on the bank for our fish for that day, and God never did let us down. I remember when his hair began to turn gray, and I knew soon I was going to have to depart with my old dad. One day I remember he tucked me, set me down on the rail of the boat, and said, Simon, my boy, I want you to remember this. All Israel has looked for the coming of the Messiah. And as the time draws near, each man has always thought he'd live to see the day he would come. And I thought the same, but I'm getting old now, and I suppose I won't get to see it. But Simon, as a Bible believer, as a believer in Jehovah, I want to instruct you, my son. That's a good thing for a dad to do, for a mother. What if today, if we put more time on instructing our children in the things of the Lord than we do about hot rods and other things, we wouldn't have so much juvenile delinquency. It is true. Suzanne Wesley was a mother of 17 children. She didn't have no push-button dishwashers and, and tickets to turn on to get water. And yet with all those children, she could spend two to three hours a day in prayer around those 17 children. From that little nest of little birds came forth a John and a Charles who stirred the world. We need more mothers like that with time to teach your children about God. I stood by a grave not long ago in London when I was there to pray for the king. And standing there with my hand on her grave, I said, God, rest that precious mother. I know you have. And there, very close to her, of course, is the Bunyan and the Pilgrim Progress and so forth and William Capper. Then over in the churchyard, John lay the remains of his body into the dust. Then Simon said, Dad has told me many times, now, Simon's son, just before the coming of the Messiah, there's going to be a great stir among the people, and the enemy will put out a, a many a false thing, calling it Messiah. And I want you to remember, Simon, my boy, that the true Messiah, what he'll be, and what he'll look like, and what he'll be like. The true Messiah will be according to the Bible, to what our prophets have told us. 
Moses said, The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me. And he must have reached over and touched Andrew. He said, Andrew went first to hear him. I couldn't believe it when that, what John was down there preaching, predicting there's coming in the Messiah. To me, it was just another go on. But one day, Andrew come told me that I should come see this man at least. Listen to him once. And I had in my heart what Father told me and what the scriptures had said that this Messiah would be a God prophet. And when I walked up into the audience with uh, my brother Andrew, quickly he turned and looked right at me in all that crowd. Must have been that he knew that I was thirsting. God usually comes to those who are thirsting and really wanting to get a hold of him. Desperately. And he must have looked at me when he did. He said, Your name is Simon and you're the son of Jonas. That settled it with me. For I knew that my father told me that the scripture said that the Messiah would be a prophet. And this man not only knew me by name, who had never seen me, but he knew my father also. Told me I was the son of Jonas. That settled it. Philip, he must have touched the floor about that time. Now these are Christ's own disciples that we're having a testimony meeting. Not the outside world, those who live with him and sleep with him and dwell with him and knows what he is. Heard him talk and speak. Philip said, Simon, that convinced me also. Because I've read the scriptures all my life and been taught them. And I knew as a Jew that we're taught to believe our prophets. And the prophecy truly said that the Messiah, the Son of God, would be a prophet like Moses. When I've seen the sign of the prophet done, and I knew that was Messiah, because it had been hundreds of years since we've had a prophet. I think around some 400 years since Malachi. And I knew that that was the next thing to appear was a Messiah. And that was him. So I run around the hill to my friend Philip as we talked him last evening. And found him, uh, Philip, uh, found Nathaniel rather under the tree uh, praying and said, Come see who we found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He said, Could there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said, Come see. Come find out for yourself. And as he come around the hill, he told him what had been happening, saying, You know, Messiah will be a prophet. We know that. Oh, yes, said Nathaniel. I know it will be a, he'll be a prophet. Well, I've seen him do those very things without a shadow of doubt. I know it. I've seen it. I've tested it. And I know it's true. Well, I'll just come see them. Round the hill they went. When he got into the presence of the Lord Jesus, he looked down to Nathaniel and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. When he come into the line, and he said, How did you know me, Rabbi? Teacher, you've never seen me in your life. How did you ever know me? He said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. 
Now that's what the scripture says. Philip, being a Bible student that knows that that was what the Messiah was to be like, he said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus said, uh, well, uh, because I've told you that, you believe, you'll see greater things than this. If you just believe that much, you'll see greater than that. First, you've got to believe it. Now, I met it. It must have been young James or one of them sitting there. I said, you know, one day we all know Rebecca. That's the wife of the businessman of Jericho. That is. He runs a tax outfit down there, collects taxes. And we know that Sister Rebecca had prayed so hard for Zacchaeus to, to receive Jesus and told him all the things that, that she'd seen, but the rabbi had told him that he was nothing to him because he wasn't recognized among the clergy of that day. So he would not accept him. So, Zacchaeus, you remember his testimony at the full gospel businessman's breakfast that morning when he come in and told us about what happened? He said he got down there to see Jesus and there was too much of a crowd. And somehow or another, where Christ is, it's just, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. All of those that's drawable. All the Father has given me will come to me. And he said, Zacchaeus seen him being small in statue as he testified. Uh, he could not get to see the master. So uh, he runs down to another corner, knowing which way he was going to the city. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree and he, he said, Now I'll just sit up here on these where two limbs meet. That's a good place to sit. Where two ways meet. That's your ideas and God's word. Where your ideas and his meets, that's a good place to rest just for a few minutes. Decide on which way you're going from there. And he sat down. And he said, I remember that my wife told me about this year Galilean being a prophet. Now, if he is a prophet, I'm going to believe him because I know that our Bible said, if there be one among you who is a prophet... And I, the Lord, will make myself known to him. And what he says comes to pass. And hear him, I'm with him. But if it doesn't, then don't hear him. So I, I know and do not believe, as my rabbis told me, that a man that was born as poor as he was and with a name like he's got and was not raised up to be a rabbi and all this your supernatural stuff he talks about, I, I don't believe it. So I'm... I'm going to wait, and when I see him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. So as he got to thinking about what Rebecca told him, well, maybe he is a prophet. But if he is, I'll just get my opinion, then I'll go back and tell Rebecca, because he's too many. So he got up on the limbs and pulled all the leaves around and covered himself up so he couldn't be seen, camouflaged himself. After a while, they heard a noise coming around the bend. There's something strange. Where Jesus is, is usually a noise of some sort. I don't know why, but it's always just like Aaron going in with the pomegranate and the bell. He don't make a lot of noise while they didn't know he was living. And I think that's what's the matter at the church today. It's got so dead we don't hear nothing no more. So uh, where there's life, there's noise. Now, 
And we find out that he said then when Jesus came around the corner and he got to look at him, he had fixed himself a little camouflage so Jesus couldn't see him, so he had a leaf. He just pulled his leaf down and looked out. Because he didn't want to see him, a businessman of the city, setting up in a tree. That would be kind of embarrassing, you know. And this holy roller coming in, anyhow, you know, what the name that he had, that would hurt his business if, uh, if uh, they seen him associate himself with a fellow like that. And so, but he wanted to find out what Rebecca had been talking about. So he sat up there, he kept his leaf up and said, I hear a noise, so maybe after a while he'll come along. He heard the noise, he looked around the corner, there come the great, big, burly fisherman saying, uh, folks, I'm sorry, our, our brother is very tired, he, he's, uh, he's on his road out now, he's got to go to Jerusalem, he said, would you all just stand aside and give him room to get out very, uh, with a lot of diplomacy and kindness, other disciples following along saying, folks, I wish we had time, but we just haven't. And um, after a while, when he turned the corner, then Zacchaeus turned down his leaf and began to look, see him coming along like that. And you know, I don't believe that any man could look right at Christ and ever feel the same again. I, I don't believe he could. Something began to touch him and saying, you know what? I, I just, maybe Rebecca was right. But I'll get a good look at him and now I'll hear him sometimes. Because he doesn't know me, I'm a businessman here, and he just entered the city, so he doesn't know me. doesn't know nothing about me, and he doesn't know my condition, so I just set up here in the tree. And he's come along, and when he crossed over the sidewalk, come down, got right out of the tree, he stood and looked up. Said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going home with you today for dinner. Oh, you remember, said James, that settled it with me. I knew that he was that prophet that Moses spoke of, because we had just entered the city. How did he know he was up in the tree, and how did he know his name was Zacchaeus and all about him? That settled it to me, because the Bible said that he would be a prophet. Well, then another one spoke up and said, what about blind Bartimaeus when we went out of the city? When there he was sitting out there dreaming of the days, he said, when he had his sight, his mother told him about the great day of Jehovah once spoke for the people, but he'd been blind all these years. And how, when we came out of the city, the people making fun of him and the priest hollered, you raise the dead! We got a graveyard full of them up here! Come up and raise them up! See, God don't clown for people. Jesus just does as the Father shows him, and that's all he does. He says, St. John 5. You know, they still have them evil spirits in the world today, oh. They'll say, let me see him heal this one. Let me see him heal that one. See, that's the same evil spirit. They just don't know. The same one set up there on the cross. Uh, before he got to the cross, when he was tempted, he said... Up there said, If thou be the Son of God, perform a miracle here before me and turn these stones into bread and eat, and I'll bleed you. See? Jesus said, But it's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't clown for Satan. And when they had him in the courtyard, put a rag over his face, wrapped it around his eyes, and took a stick and hit his precious head. 
said, if you're a prophet now and can tell us if you're that Messiah prophet, tell us who hit you on the head. He never said a word. He, the powers and the gifts of God are not to show off with. They're to serve God. They're for the glory of God. To do something to help somebody. Not to come out like a stuffed shirt and say, me, my great, that's not it. When a man does that, he's little in my sight. Who is great? One, God. Then it might have been then, immediately at that, that Andrew might have said this. But brethren, remember the time when he sent us into the city? He told us that morning he was going down to Jericho, but had need go by Jerusalem, go by Samaria, from Jerusalem up around Samaria, and then to Jericho. Remember how tired he was all day. We said, "Why? Why don't you take me? Why don't you do?" He said, "Y'all wait here, and you go in and get yourself food." Now, while we were gone, and we got the food to return. You remember, we come up and we found out when we had gotten there, there was a woman on her road up. And there he was alone with a, a woman of an Ill, Ill condition. She was a foul woman, a woman that we call today of the street, a red light lady. She had, uh, her marriages was all mixed up. And she was living with man without being married to them. Very foul person. Them days, they wore a garment and had to prove them. So when we've seen come up, you remember we slipped in behind that bush, that little wall, and see what he would say? That's what settled it with every one of us. He asked the woman to bring him a drink, and she said, we've got segregation here. We, we don't, it's not customary for you Jews to ask we Samaritan women such a thing as that. He said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. I'd give you water that you don't come here to draw. Remember how the conversation went on? What was he doing? The Father, he said, in St. John 5, 19. And listen to this, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never took credit for healing anybody. He said, it's not me that doeth the work, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. Then notice what's taking place. In St. John 5, 19, he said this. He went to a pool of Bethesda. There are a great multitude, many more people around this place tonight, of lame, blind, halt, withered, crippled. Now the scripture says that. Lame, halt, blind, withered. And here he comes. Just a few days before that woman had touched his garment and was made whole. Here he comes, garments full of virtue, walking. Passed by the mother with the waterhead baby. Passed by the blind man. And if you've ever taken the history of it, there's an angel come down and trouble the water. You know what trouble waters are. Current going one way and wind's blowing another way. It's a dangerous water. And they believed it was an angel. 
And everyone who's stepping into the water had enough faith to stop that moving of the water. And they got well of what disease they had. And they laid there for the multitude. Many of them didn't believe that. But those who believed it, it was healing for them. God's always had a way of healing his people. So those stepping in first, and I've read books on it where they said that they'd even stab one another, trying to rush in and get in there first. Because as soon as the first one stepped in with enough faith to pull the virtue of the angel away, then he didn't come back maybe for a month or two, another season. And they laid there constantly waiting. What patience. And Jesus walked right around them, blind, deaf, lame, whole, withered, never said a thing. Till he come to a man laying on a pallet. How many of you Californians know what a pallet is? Well, what part of Kentucky did you come from? I was raised on one. Just lay something down on the floor and lay down. Laying on a pallet. He might have had a prostrate trouble. He might have had uh, he might have had TB. Whatever it was, he had it 38 years. It was retired. It wasn't going to kill him. He could walk. And Jesus knowing what? Jesus knowing that he'd been in this condition all this time. He said, "Will thou be made whole? Why not the blind man? Why not the crippled man?" But see, he was directed. Now watch his answer. And he said, I have no one to put me in the water. While I'm coming, somebody in better shape than me outruns me and gets in there, see? Gets in heaven. He can walk. He could go. But there's some that couldn't walk. See? And we say, had compassion? Human sympathy is not compassion. Nor the will of God is compassion. So he said, will thou be made whole? He said, I have no one to put me in the water while I'm coming. Someone steps ahead of me. He said, take up thy bed and go into thy house. He never questioned one more thing. For Jesus knew he wouldn't question. Picked it up, put it on his back, and went on. Jesus was questioned about it. Let him do the same thing today, and he'll be questioned about it. Someone will say, here's old brother so-and-so. He's a good old man, wrong church all his life, selling pencils on the corner. Make him whole. Why'd you pass him by? Watch Jesus put the answer to him the same day when they caught him. Asked him the question, St. John 5, 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing. How many know that the Scripture? The Scriptures can't fail. So Jesus could only do what God showed him in a vision to do. And that made him a prophet. More than a prophet, he was a God prophet. He was a God of the prophets. Some people today try to take divinity away from him. His sign as Messiah was a prophet's sign. But in redemption, he was God. The Virgin Mary, a woman, virgin, normal man. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her and created a blood cell. That blood cell brought forth the Son of God. He neither was Jew nor a Gentile. He was God. We're saved, says the Bible, by the blood of God. The blood comes from the male sex. The hemoglobin comes out of the male sex. You people, here's springtime out here. I was watching today. A little bird up in the bush making himself a nest. 
Oh, they'll make them a nest. Well, that old mother bird can get on that nest and lay a whole nest full of eggs. If she hasn't been with a mate, they won't hatch. Right? She might set on them and be so loyal, turn them eggs just as far, and starve herself to death that she's so poor she can't fly off the nest. If she hasn't been with a mate, they won't hatch. They haven't got no blood cell in them. The life comes from the blood. Life is in the blood. It's like churches today. You can, we got the biggest churches we ever had. Most members we ever had. Best dress we ever had. Best fed we ever had. More money than we ever had. More sickness than we ever had. Because we got more unbelief than we ever had. It's just, there's only one thing to do. Them eggs will lay right down that net, nest and rot. And so will church members if they haven't been with the mate, Jesus Christ. It's time to clean the nest and get back in there somebody that's got faith and been filled with the Holy Ghost. Got living faith and a living God. Been with the mate, Christ Jesus. Something that'll hatch, something that'll bring forth life. Sure, Jesus could only do, he said, and the scriptures are infallible. He said, I do nothing within myself until I see the Father doing it first. Now he said he saw it. See. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father. Look back to the emphatic diagloss. See if the word isn't right. See. Look at it. Even to the Douay version, all the versions give it the same way. Till I see the Father do it. The Father worketh. What the Father does, He shows me, and I just go and act it out for Him. That's what every prophet of the Bible done. Was to see by vision what to do. And that was the sign of the Messiah in that day. And if that's the sign of the Messiah in that day, at the closing of the Jewish dispensation, and he promised he'd do the same thing in the last days, it's time we see it arise. We're at the last day. The world's in a nervous prostration. She's ready to be blown to pieces because they have rejected, denied, and the Holy Spirit has wounded their hearts, and God, like a, a lady in a 10-cent store here, a few weeks ago in Louisville, Kentucky. She had a little boy. She's going around showing him things. saying, look, dear, look, dear, look, dear. And the little boy just sat and stared. And she, after a while, she just fell over on the counter and began screaming. And some of the people in the 10 cent store went to her and said, what's the matter? She said, it's my little boy. She said, it can't be so. The doctor said he was better, but he isn't. Said, a few months ago, the little fellow just started staring. And said, I can't get his attention to nothing. Said, everything that a, a little boy his age ought to look at, said, I'll shake it before him, and he'll just sit and stare. You know, the church, the Pentecostal church, has got somewhat the same way. God shut everything in the Bible before him. And they still just sit and stare. There's something wrong. It's time to arise and wake and call on God. Remember, God predicted in his Bible that this would be the lady I'll see in church age. When things would take place this way. Now, let's believe you. 
Andrew goes on with the story just for a moment, a few longer. Andrew said, you know, he told the woman. Now, she was a Samaritan. There's only, as I said last night, there's only three races of people on earth, Ham, Sham, and Japheth's people. If we believe the Bible, he all sprung from them two, them three sons. That's Jew, Gentile, and Samaritan. Remember Peter was given the keys to the kingdom? Where did he open up? At Pentecost? To the Jews. Went down to Samaria, although Philip had went out and preached to them the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptized them, and, and they were ready to receive it. But Peter had the keys. Come down, laid hands on they received the Holy Ghost. Then at the house of Cornelius, the Gentiles, Acts 10, 49, we find out that Peter was sent by a vision up, and while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. From that time on, the Holy Ghost is just to whosoever will, let him come. But he had the key to the kingdom. Now, notice, them three races. Now, as I said last evening, I had to hurry. The reason I'm repeating this in another way tonight. I had to hurry, and you were nervous, and uh, they were telling us alert, and so forth. Now, it's your calmer tonight and quiet. Notice, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. And the Messiah was supposed to come and declare himself by, to be the Messiah. Now, do you think Jesus come unscripturally? He wouldn't have been Jesus. He wouldn't have been the Son of God. He had to come according to the Scripture, but not according to the thoughts of the churches of that day. He was different from the thoughts of the church, their doctrine about it, but he come according to the way the Scriptures was written. And that's what I'm trying to bring back to your memory tonight. The same thing. He comes according to the way He promised to come. Now remember, if God is ever called on the scene to act, and the way He acts first, He has to act every time afterwards the same way or He did wrong when He acted first. So if that was the way of making Himself known, in that day, to the Jews and to the Samaritans who were looking for a Messiah, no Gentile was looking for a Messiah. We were Romans and Greeks and uh, worshiping gods of iron and steel and marble, and like a lot of us still doing, and, and uh, like that, with a club on our back. But now, after 2,000 years of theology and teaching, now the Gentile church, the elect church, is looking for the Messiah. Now, he'll have to act when he's coming this time, just like he did that time. He'll have to do the same things because the Word said he would do it. Now, so that you'll see that our Christ is not dead. He's with us, living in us. Right here with us now. And now, if I can get you to see that, then it's a very easy thing for you to accept your healing. It isn't about my hands being laid on you. I'm a man. His hands. Find Him. Now, notice. When they listened and heard the conversation of this, now this is a, a woman of ill fame now in Samaria. She was a bad woman, so they were listening. And when they heard, He said, uh, Go get your husband and come here. Now, He talked to her long enough to catch her spirit. He said, Go get your husband and come here. She said, I don't have any husband." And you remember, Brother Andrew might have said to the rest of the brothers, said, you remember how we all thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, here's one time he's called. Because he tells her that she hasn't, that she hasn't got a, a husband. 
go get your husband and come here, brother. Said, go get your husband. He's telling her she's got a husband. And she says she hasn't got a husband. She's contradicting his word. Now what's going to happen? You remember how we all stood with her ears uh, pricked up and, and uh, the chills going over us? What's the matter? We wondered, had our master been caught in a trap? Now he tells the woman she's got a husband and she says, I haven't got a husband. Remember how we thought? Then what did he just as cool as he could be said, Thou hast said well, because you've had five and the one you're living with now is not your husband. The scene changed right quick. And what did this woman say to him? Sir, I am a Samaritan woman. I may be living in sin. I know there was something like this. But I know the scriptures. I come out of a home that taught the Bible. I, you must be a prophet. I know. We're taught, all Samaria's taught, that there's a Messiah coming who's day, who will be the Christ. means the anointed one. And when he comes, he'll tell us these things. That'll be the sign of the Messiah. You must be his prophet. Jesus said, I'm he. And there was a man you could say that but him. Right. There never will be. I'm he. And she left her water pot and ran into the city and said, Come see a man. Told the man in the street. Come see a man who told me what I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? If that was the sign of Messiah yesterday, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's the same today. It's got to be. Yes, we remembered that. How that the woman said that. And how that... The Bible says that all the city believed him to be the Messiah because the woman told the people in the city that he they never had met before in the conversation. He said, go get your husband. And she said, I have none. He said, you've got five and you man know that that's the kind of a life I've lived. And that convinced me that he was the Messiah because he knows the secret of my heart. Now, Listen, does not the Bible say that that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us? Now to you Bible readers, does not the book of Hebrews tell us in the fourth chapter that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the thunder of the mire of the bone, and a deserter of the thought of the heart? The Word. And when the living Word, which is Christ, comes into our midst, is not it it's still a discerner of the thoughts of the heart? The living Word. Christ, the living Word. He is the Word. And He's the living Word. This is the letter Word. And when the letter Word is brought with the living Word, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And a deserter of the thoughts of the heart. Jesus looked upon his audience and perceived their thoughts. Some of them stood by and said, he's a fortune teller. 
He's Beelzebub, a devil. Jesus said, I forgive you for that, calling the Spirit of God an evil thing, an evil word. I forgive you for that, but someday the Holy Spirit's coming. And you speak one word against that, it'll never be forgiven you. And this world and the world to come. Then what is, what is blaspheming of the Holy Ghost? See? Call the Spirit of God an unclean thing. It's blaspheming. That's what blaspheming is. Call the Spirit of God an evil spirit. So you see, when the people shouted and spoke in tongues and so forth, and this nation has constantly called them a bunch of holy wolves and heretics and everything else, you see why she's ready for judgment? Now the Bible said, now you Pentecostal people. The Bible says, if you have a gift of speaking in tongues, then when the unlearned comes in and, and the first thing you know, you all speak with tongues, you'll say, you're all mad. But if there be one among you that's a prophet, that will reveal the secrets of the heart, then they'll fall down and say, truly God's with you. Well, if you believe in speaking in tongues, don't you know what the furtherment of it is? Don't you know what a higher blessing is? Don't you see the Holy Spirit? What makes you speak with tongues? Do you do that yourself? No, sir. The Holy Ghost does it. If you're sincere, is that right? The Holy Ghost does it. That's the same thing that set in the church. First apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. The Holy Spirit. The living Christ. That's not dead, but alive forevermore. We have the picture of it down here where it was been taken. It's taken over here in California here recently. Taken George J. Lace, the FBI, examined it and so forth. You've seen it and everything. A pillar of fire. Same pillar of fire. stuck in Germany, Switzerland, all over the world where it's been taken. Now, what is it? Is that how many knows that Jesus Christ was that pillar of fire? Well, when he was, uh, uh, St. John 6, when he was being questioned, he said about, he said, Abraham about his days. He said, well, now, I said, you mean that you've uh, seen Abraham and you're a man not over 50 years old? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Then he was that pillar of fire, the angel of the covenant. In other words, the Logos that went out of God. He was the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel to the wilderness. And that pillar of fire, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, I come from God and go to God. And after his death, burial, and resurrection, Saul, he met Saul on the road down to Damascus and struck him down with a light. Now the rest of them saw it, but Saul saw it. I came out of the wilderness, bringing the children of Israel, and come dwell in a man's fullness of the Godhead bodily, and perform these kind of signs as the Messiah, and if that same pillar of fire, that same Jesus, that same Spirit, comes back into His church universal, won't it do the same thing? Yeah. He doesn't leave among you the works that I do, so He do also. Yet a little while in the world gives me no more. He said, Yet ye shall see me, for I, I, will be with you even in you to the end of the world. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see what I'm trying to do, friends, is let you know that the Jesus that made the promise in the Bible is right here with you. Right here now. Now, if you'd walk up to him and he had on this suit that he gave me, 
And he would say, uh, you say, Jesus, will you heal me? You know what he would say to you? Well, my child, I did that. He can't do it again. If you're redeemed out of the pawn shop, how can he be redeemed the second time? He brought you out. He was wounded for your transgressions. And with his stripes, you were healed. See what I mean? Your healing's already completed. Your salvation's completed. The only thing you have to do is just receive it. What does it make any difference who lays hands on you? What does this, that, or the other? Over where you're at, just believe it. That's all receive it. If God has to give it to you. That's the reason that I don't take too much time. The American people are taught the old Jewish custom of laying on of hands, which is all right. But that wasn't a Gentile way. Well, Jairus said, come lay your hand on my daughter and she'll live, but you. But the Roman said, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Just speak the word. See, he said, I'm a man under authority. I'll say to this man, come, he comes, and that and go, he goes. He goes to everything under him is a century. Century of man, which means a hundred. That hundred man was under him. What he said they had to do. What did he recognize in Jesus Christ? That all sickness and diseases was under him. Under his control. Just speak the word. Amen. There you are. Don't need your hands laid up. And what did Jesus say? He turned around and said, I never found faith like this in Israel. Amen. Well, that's the kind of faith we want here in California. That kind of faith. Speak the word. That's all it needs. Not some man say, well, glory to God, brother, so-and-so laid hands on me. I felt something go through me. You might have felt his hands rain on you, but you're a felt man. See, Jesus never did say, did you feel it? He said, did you believe it? If you believe it. It's a feeling, not a feeling affair. It's a believing affair. He's that believer. Right where you are. I don't say you don't feel something. I know I've felt some strange feelings. But I never did rest my faith upon a feeling. I can't build my doctrine upon a sensation. I've got to build it up on God. Say it's the Lord by the word of God. And that's your reason tonight. And then if it's built up on that word, and there's enough faith in that to make that word be made manifest, Jesus died and gave his life that he might sanctify a church that he could be universally around the world all the time in his church. This Holy Spirit, when Jesus was God made flesh, the fullness of God was in him. He had the Spirit without nature. We had it by nature. Now, what if you go out there and pick up a spoonful of, of uh, water out of the ocean? Well, that, that's what Jesus had, the whole ocean. But you and I have got a spoonful. That's the difference. You never miss it. You don't have to have us, but we have to have him. But if you took that spoonful of water and took it down to the laboratory, the same chemicals that's in the entire ocean is in that spoonful. And with God on the day of Pentecost, when he's come down like a Russian wind. Did you notice? He was a pillar of fire. But uh, did you notice he separated himself from that pillar of fire? Divided himself amongst his people. And cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them. God separated himself to his church. anything. And that's I'll give it to you. 
What is that? When the little fire here and the little fire here, each one of you is a part of God. When we come together, it's the body of Christ uniting. God separating himself, giving part to me and part to you and part to the next soul so we can all live and have eternal life. And now, that eternal life comes from the word, the Greek word, as I said, zoe, which means God's own life. Now, must have been while we were testifying of this. All at once, Andrew must have sat down and Satan must have looked back over through the dark clouds. I'm closing now. And he saw them gone off without Jesus. That's just as good as he wanted. And now, my brothers, my sisters, let's just look now right straight in the face. They had gone off without Jesus. I believe that that's what's happened to the church to make up this lady of seeing church age. The church has gone off without Jesus. We've gone off on great tantrums. We've gone off to a place where we've got a big building program. See who can build the biggest church. We've gone off on educational programs. We've gone off on denominational programs. We've gone off on all kinds of programs. And what have we had stopped? We've had out a bunch of denominational children. That's right. We're filling, we're filling our, our, our things upon our, our denomination. Don't associate with them over there. Don't have this over here. We're the denomination. We got all the truth. Remember, brother, the blanket stretched all ways. It goes over the other fellow, too. But we draw boundaries and separated ourselves, just like the Baptists, Methodists, and the rest of them did. You used to talk about the cold form of Baptist, now it's the cold form of Pentecostal. Baptists are warming up. Notice how now it's true, we've hatched out denominational children. We've hatched out educational children. We've had formed Bible schools. Perfectly all right. But what do we let the tell them, give them the Bachelor of Art and the PhD and the LLE, and even some of our great denominations before they send a missionary, a Pentecostal now. Before they send a Pentecostal missionary overseas, he has to be examined by a psychiatrist to see if his IQ is high enough. That is a stain on the name of Pentecost. Pentecost is not an organization. Pentecost is an experience. All people can have Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, or what more. Who is to decide where is the missionary now? The Holy Ghost or some worldly psychiatrist. God gives the call. Peter's education wouldn't have qualified with that. The Bible said he is both ignorant and unlearned. But the Holy Ghost had pleased the Holy Ghost to make him the head of the church. In John, both ignorant and unlearned. But that's where we are. The devil saw us go off on a big tantrum like this. And he says, here's my opportunity. That's the same thing he's done now. So he raised up over the mountains and began to blow his poison breath. He said, there they are, huddled out down in the middle of that sea. They're testifying of what has been. Now I see they haven't got him anymore now. He's not with them no more now. And what's the lady of seeing church age? Of all the church ages, seven or eight church ages, the lady of seeing Jesus is on the outside of his own church knocking, trying to get back in. Now, that's where we've come to. 
And so Satan has been blowing his poison breath around, you know, says, Dave's America is bad. There's no such a thing as that. Don't you believe that kind of stuff? It's mental telepathy. It's They're leaving the word. Uh, uh, you just examine the word and see if it isn't right. Then see if God does get in that word and confirm it. Then it makes it right. God says so. That settles it. Now, days of miracles is past. Got formal. Just talk about our churches and our, what we're going to do and our great programs we got. See, he's seen without. And the little ship begins to blow. We talk. And we find out all hopes is gone for a revival. Just about like that today. God sent old Roberts across the country. He sent a Tommy Osborne across the country. He, he sent one after the other, wave after wave after wave after wave. And still we still sit without revival. What's the matter? But remember, he hadn't gone too far. When he seen them go off, he knew what was going to happen. And that's the reason he over here could predict the end at the beginning. He knew the lady of seeing church ages going to push him out. So he made preparations. Submitted. Those who I love, I chasten and rebuke. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will uh, open, let me in. I'll come in and stuff with him. If you just open up, let him in. And when the winds are blowing and contrary and we see it's hard to move, that's the way they were. But he had climbed up the highest hill that was in Galilee. Highest hill in Palestine, maybe. He's up on the mountain. Higher you go, farther you can see. And he climbed up there so he could watch over them. And when he'd seen them in distress, he was high enough that he could see them. And when he was sure he realized that we was coming to this condition. So he didn't only climb the mountain of Calvary, but he climbed all the past the moon stars until he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And his eyes on the sparrow. I don't know he's watching this meeting tonight. He hasn't gone before, he's watching it. When the little ship talks about, this boy, here is little ship, yours, yours, out here all around. Your little ship talks about, the doctor says I can't get well. I'm paralyzed, I got cancer, I'm going to die. He knows that. But his eyes on the spell. He redeemed you. He paid the price. He was wounded for your transgressions. With his stripes, you were healed. The preparation's made. And he climbed up to the ramparts of glory and sat down at the right hand of God on high, watching over you, ever living to make intercession. The Bible said he's sending a, a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. <laughs> The same high priest that was sure on earth, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you'd touch him, you'd act like he did when he was on earth. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. A woman touched his garment, went out and got in the crowd and sat down. She didn't get in the line. The rest of them was in the line. She didn't get in the line. So she touched his garment, went and sat down in the audience. And he turned around and said, who touched me? And the apostle Peter rebuked him and said, everybody's touching. Why do you say a thing like that? He said, but I got weak. Virtue gone from me, a vision. Something happened. It's a certain kind of touch. All these programs today is not touching in. It takes an individual's heart to touch in. Somebody that'll believe it. Lay aside your superstitions and believe him. 
Somebody touched me, said I got weak. Virtue, strength went out of me. And you looked around over the audience and told it down the little woman, told her her blood issue she'd had. Her faith has saved you. See, thy faith has saved. Those are saved. Same words, physically or spiritual. See, thy faith has saved thee. Now, if he's the same high priest, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if you would touch him, how would he act? If he's the same, he'd act the same. God challenges us all of tonight to believe that story to be true. See if he isn't still the same high priest. See if he doesn't act tonight like he did when he was in Galilee. See if he doesn't do the same thing. We're not playing church. Too late the hours. The sun's setting. It's time to be realistic. Time for men and women to throw off their, their, their church cloaks. Lay aside your denominational rags. And look to God and have a Pentecostal revival. Touch him and see if he's still a high priest. I challenge that to you. Believe it. See what happens. So he come walking to him on the water. The last hour. All hope's gone. What happened? As soon as they seen him, just the same as they did then, they're doing today. The only thing that could help them, they was afraid of it. They thought it was spooky. He's a spirit. And the same thing today. You Baptist, you Methodist, you Presbyterian Catholic. You Pentecostal, oneness, threeness, fatherness, sinless, four square, whatever you may be. You got children. But don't be afraid. God promised he would do it. If he could speak tonight, it says it was then. When they were all scared, we see a spirit. It looks spooky. There's something strange about it. That do not fear. It is I. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not afraid. It's I. Won't you, church, tonight, lay in your little bark as you're sailing over life, solemn Maine? Won't you just open up your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you. I'm willing. I know that scripture. The man told me, what is the scripture? I know that the Bible says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know these things. We ain't got time to get all into it tonight. We'll keep on going tomorrow night into it, on and on, see? Just keep on showing and proving you, friends. What you have believed has been true. But we're living along the throne a little farther now. That's what's the trouble with the Christians. You know, science don't take what science said two, three hundred years ago. Uh, it was a French scientist said about three hundred years ago, proved it by revolving a ball around the earth. And he said, if any persons could ever go the terrific speed of 30 miles an hour, scientifically prove that gravitation take you off the earth. What about Ricky and his hot rod? <laughs> They're going around about several thousand miles an hour. You think they look back to see what that science says? No, they're still going wrong. They're moving on. But the church is say, let's see what Mr. Moody said about it. Let's see what Mr. Wesley said. 
Sandman lived in the new age. That was all right for that age. But we got not only a scientific tree to climb, we've got untapped resources of the bountiful blessings of God, which is not limited to unlimited. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. Every promise in the book belongs to you. When you're saved, he gives you a check with his name, wrote at the bottom of it, don't be afraid to fill it out. Because the bank of heaven will recognize it if it goes through the Pentecostal clearinghouse. That's right. See if you got something here on the top of yourself. And you're recognized. If you've got identification to show that the check belongs to you, it's only for believers now. If you've got that identification, why God will recognize your check. That's right. No matter what you ask for, any redemptive blessing belongs to you. Now I spoke to you at length, and I know your limbs are cramping, you elderly people and young and all standing inside, outside, around the doors. God rewards you richly. I'm your brother. There isn't, I haven't got one speck of healing power. Nobody else has got it. There's not a doctor got any. No medicine's got any. There's not a medicine in the world that'll heal you. There's not a doctor that's in his right mind will tell you that. Male brothers said they don't have a medicine to heal. If I cut my hand with a knife, they haven't got a medicine in the world to heal that knife cut. Any medicine to heal a knife cut my hand would heal it on the desk during my coat. You say medicine wasn't made for your desk or the coat. It's made for your body. Well, what if I cut my hand and I fall down dead? You embalm me and make me look natural for 50 years. Give me a shot of penicillin every day and all kinds of stabs and sew up and everything else. 50 years from the day, the cut looks just like it was when it was cut. If it heals the human body, why don't it heal it? Well, you say, sure, life's gone out of it. Well, tell me what life is and I'll tell you who God is. That's right. It's God. Medicine does not build tissue. It takes life to build tissue. That's right. And your attitude towards God is what does it. Someone said to me, what about penicillin for a bad cold? I said, like having a house full of rats. And you put out rat parts and kill them. It don't patch up the hole. It only kills the rats. That's right. It kills the germ. That's true. Medicine might kill a germ, but it don't build the cells that the germ tore down. That takes God to do that in him alone. I'm the Lord who heals all thy diseases. Why don't you broke your arm and said, Doctor, heal my arm. I'm cranking, working on the car. I want to finish up. You say you need mental healing, and that'd be right. He might set your arm, but God has to produce the calcium in the a life matters and things to heal it together. It takes God. We have nothing that'll heal. No medicine heals. God heals. And your attitude towards God, the one that does the healing, and we can't figure out yet what the life is. We know the mucus the life comes in, but we don't know what the germ of life is because it's a spirit, and there's no glass can see a spirit. Very God. So... That's the one that does the healing. Will you believe on him tonight? If he will come in the audience tonight, just a little group, we'll call somebody up here, I think. They would give out a bunch of cards last night. One to a hundred, I believe, in A. We've got a few of them. We had to hurry. But tonight, if we'll just call some people out here and let the Holy Spirit begin to move, just to, if he will. I don't say he will. And then if he'll go out into the audience, and begin to move out into the audience and do the very same thing. Out there, you without prayer cards, as he does here with prayer cards, you just touch his garment and see if he isn't, if he isn't the same high priest. How many would believe it? If you see what I've talked about tonight come to pass, raise up your hands all over the building. Now bow your head. Our Heavenly Father, 
This is as far as any man could go, would be explained the word. Now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing of the word. Here lays people on cots, stretchers, wheelchairs. There's some out there that's dying with heart trouble, cancer. No doubt, but there's all kinds of diseases in here. Father God, there's maybe unbelievers sitting close. There may be unconverted sitting close. If they are, Father, if they see your presence move down to prove that you are you're the God who made the promises in the midst of us, surely if you do that much, we'll believe the redemptive story that you did die for our transgressions and for your stripes we were here. Granted, Lord, I commit myself, this audience, all into your hands. And Father God, I love you for your word. I love this wonderful audience of people who's listened attentively. They stood cramping their legs are stiff and sore. But hear me, Lord, please. When this crowd leaves this fairgrounds tonight and starts back to their home, Lord, one day after you had been crucified and buried, they thought it was all over. You were dead and buried and that was all. There were two men, Theophius and his friend, was on the road down to Emmaus. Somebody walked with them all day long, speaking to them about the Word of God. They didn't recognize who it was. But when he got on that night, he got on inside the building and closed the door. He did something before them, just like he did before he was crucified. They recognized it, because no one else did it that way. They knew that it was him. And quickly he vanished out of his sight. Behind the curtain, someone was gone. Life foolish, life hearted, they run back to tell the rest of the disciples, indeed, the Lord has risen. Will you tonight do the same thing, Lord? Will you come in our midst and perform and do just as you did before you were crucified that this audience might know that you are their God and their Savior, and you've been the one that fed them and blessed them? And may they realize if you do something like you did before your crucifixion, they know that you're not dead, but you're alive forevermore, as the scripture says you are, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you do that, Lord, we'll all return home, saying like they did. Do not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us along the way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Surely God will help us tonight with an audience like this standing patiently. There's a car across the street, 60 Oldsmobile, color maroon, license number TXM595, right across the street in the parking lot that's got a further block. And he has to get out right now. He was due at work in Vicedia at 9 o'clock. You that have that call, would you please go let this brother out that he might report to work. Now again, that's a 60 mile Oldsmobile, maroon in color, license tag TXM595 across the street. Would you move it forward, please? Thank you. Thank you, yes, brother. All right, that's fine. If you'll be so kind, I see someone going now, so I guess the brother will be out. All right. Thank you. I helped you so long tonight. But I'm, I'm only trying to see if you just jump in not knowing what you're doing, then what good does it do? See? 
but you, I, I want to get you to a spot to where you can see that it's the scripture. It's the fulfilling of the scripture. Now, last night we touched the subject where he was, Messiah was to appear in the body of believers in this last day to perform and do the same thing he did then. Now, I believe we, what is, we started the number one last night called a bunch of we call just a few out of, from number one. We just keep calling around among them until we get them all up here. Let's start tonight somewhere else. Each time we told you, we, I told the minister brothers that we'd start from somewhere each night from the same, same card. Somewhere each night. Let's start uh, Let's take from 80. That'd be 80 and see if we can, how many could we stand here? We could stand about 15 or 20 people perhaps. Who has prayer card 80? Raise up your hand. Prayer card, and you want Jesus to heal you, raise up your hand. All who don't have a prayer card. All right. Now, all the, the others around them up. I, I, just remember, that prayer card has got one thing to do with it. How many has ever been to me before and know that's true? Raise your hands. Sure, that's got one thing to do with it. Not one thing. Now you sit out there, it has got a prayer card, you just pray and say, uh, Brother Bannon doesn't know me. Lord, he told me a while ago that you were a high priest that could be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. Now, I'm going to touch you. I'm forgetting about Brother Bram Samuel. But I'm going to touch you. My faith looks to be, Lord. I want to touch you. Now, don't get hysterically about it. Nothing will happen. Just calm Just calm and faith. Just say, Lord, let me touch you. And say, then, how would I know that you, that I touched you? You have Brother Bram turn around and tell me. It's like, you did, when a woman touched you through your son, Jesus. Brother Brown and that minister that or your adopted son. See? But they're taking the son's place while he's up there making intercession as a hockey. He's our elder brother. You know that? Sure. And we're we're got children too by adoption by him. Now if everyone just won't move for a few minutes now. Just be real quiet for a few minutes. Believe with all your heart. Alright? Now, how many in the building is strangers to me? I you know what I don't know a thing about you. Raise up your hand. The entire audience. There's not one person that I can see in this building that I know except my... Uh, I've seen my friend Ralph Evans here a while ago from Georgia sitting back up here. Wait, back here, that's it. He and his wife and Brother Fred Stockman and uh, one of the trustees of my church. Jerry's really sitting right back out here somewhere. And Brother and Sister Simpson sitting by him. That's the only people in this building I know outside of Brother Border. Brother Gene Gold right here and Well, my son was here, but he isn't here now. But that's all I know. Now, now if I do not know you, I would ask you this question. Now we're taking our time because if you ever want to get it in here, something's gonna happen. Now, if Jesus Mark is the same yesterday and today. Does the Bible say that? Say amen. All right. Now, how many know that He has already redeemed you from sickness and and death? Say amen. Well, He could redeem you again, couldn't He? Now, if He's standing here Himself, He couldn't do one more thing about it. But he could run through you and I. He that receives me receives Him that sent me. He that receives you receives me. Is that right? 
He didn't receive me, he received me the same. Now, if you just receive the Holy Spirit, the message of it, I quoted you the Bible. See? Just tell me what he did and what he promised. And a little promise for the little children, because I think this little thing sitting here and many other there, little sun sucker babies sitting there and watching my heart burning for them and everything else. Now, now if, if this God who made the Bible, who wrote the Bible, you believe God inspired, the Bible is inspired God's word, you believe it? You believe it with all your heart. Alright, it's God's inspired word. Then if it's God's inspired word, then if the inspiration of God is here with us to make this word live the fruit that he's here, surely you can receive him. Is that right? Now, now I want to know you in this prayer line, every one of you that's strangers to me, and I don't know anything about you, raise up your hand. That's all strange. Everybody's strange. Now remember, I am not a healer and no other man is a healer. God is a healer. That's right. Now Jesus is standing here now tonight because I said to this suit on that he gave me. And if he wanted to declare himself, how would you know it was him? He'd act the same way he did when he was here on earth. Is that right? He'd do the same thing. And you would know then if he was the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. No other man's the Messiah. He is the Messiah. But his spirit dwells in us. See? It's not us or us. For now, it's his woman. Is this the woman? All right. Now, I don't know the woman. Never seen her in my life. She raised her hand a few minutes ago that neither one of us knows each other. Here's my hand, Bible hand open here. I don't know her. I never seen her. You don't know me. Here we are, strangers. Now, now, here's a very beautiful picture of St. John 4. Here's a panoramic, like the well that out the public well of Samaria. Now, every person in here be ready to receive it. And this, this would sell it right here. You be ready. You be ready. You, you. All down here, just be ready. See? Because if you can see him... Come in and do exactly that show that he's not dead, he's alive, you're watching his word. And your little bar's all tossed around. See? Then believe me. Just accept it. Don't be afraid. He said, it's I. Be not afraid. I remember that. Be not afraid. It's I. Don't be afraid to take him at his word. I'll believe you, Lord. I'll give well. Just do that. Be not afraid. It's I. Now listen. If this woman and I are perfect strangers and have never seen one another, if I am anointed with the Holy Spirit and to tell her something in her life, like Jesus did the woman at the well, whatever it might be in her life, we've never seen one of it has to come through some spiritual power. Is that right? We know that. It would be a miracle. How many know that? A miracle some can't be solved that. Alright? Then if it would take place, how many of you would believe it was the Christ, the Holy Ghost, the same Christ? Alright, then just receive it. But her and I together never seen one another in our lives. Now, for the glory of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take every spirit in here under my control. For the glory of God. Now, be reverent and be in prayer. Quite Now, lady, I want to speak to you just as Jesus did to the woman. Now, you might be here for sickness. 
You might be here for somebody else. You might, I don't know. So you might be financed. I, I hear this woman standing here. That's the same way that the woman met our law. Now, and he talked to her a little while. Now, you have to take my word for this. I couldn't prove this to the scripture. But he had deeds go by Samaria. And he said he did nothing until the father showed him. So it must have been this way. He's, the father sent him up to Samaria. All right? All that he knew just was Samaria. He thought he'd get alone, so he just sent the disciples away. He waited. A woman come up, so that might be the one. So he sat there and began to talk to her. What was he doing? Contacting her spirit. Now, if he went down there and said, I am the Messiah, I, I am the Messiah, it'd be better for her to tell him. See? Let him declare himself to this woman. God works in mysterious ways. And he told that woman something was in her life. Well, she said, you must be a prophet. I know when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us this. He said, he'll do anything. Jesus said, I'm me. I promise the same work, especially in this age. Now, if, if you were sick, and I said, I have a gift of divine healing. A gift of divine healing is just a faith in divine healing. That's all it is. That's faith. Everybody has faith in divine healing as a gift of divine healing. Because that's all it is. Now, that don't make them a divine healer no more. It makes the man who believes in salvation a, a divine savior. See, it just he believes in it. I believe in it too. But I'm not a gifted person like uh, some of the men, like Jack Cole and many of them are just real. I guess they got deals with them in their way, and Brother Roberts in his way, and me with my way. We just got ministries, that's all. God set in the church, apostles, apostles, preachers, dancers, pastors, and then nine spiritual gifts in the church. I said, Brother what are you trying to do? I'm trying to contact your spirit. Jesus sent me to this city. I was laying here. Now here's a woman. About, I had a number on a prayer card. Way up in the, I forget where it called, 50 or 75 or somewhere around. Well, right where it was. You just have to be that woman sending All right? Now, not knowing one another. Now what am I trying to do? Contact your spirit. And if the Lord God, if I said I had a gift of healing, lay my hands on it and say, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're going to get well. That'd be all right. Go believe it, you get well. I believe it. God will honor your faith. But why if he comes and tells you something that you that you have been, that tells you what you will be. You know whether what has been, whether it's the truth or not. Something that you have done in your life, way back or, or whatever he does, or something on that order, then it would make the same aside. The audience witnessed things. They believe. And this is set. I may be granted. Now, if the audience can still hear my voice, that pillar of fire that you see on the picture is standing right between me and the woman. I see her. She's moving away. She looks years younger than what she does in person standing close to me. She's moved back to... She's had some sort of an operation. And that was on her throat. It was a garden. Is that, if that's right, raise up your hand. All right, now, you believe with all your heart? Now, let's just talk to the woman just a little bit longer. Just a little longer. See, so you, the people think she gets it. See what else you say. Yes? I see her now, again. 
is the surgery on the throat. That's been quite a while ago, and the thing's come back again. You got it again. That is right. But see, he's hidden from the doctor, but he can't hide from God. God knows right where he's at. It's a lie from all the cases of cells growing. Mother, the fact you was a real baby in the womb of your mother growing. But this has no form, it's just spreading out. The devil. Choking spirit. And a triumph. She might know. There's such a woman sitting right there. Still in trouble too. That's right. What did you touch? Hallelujah. I don't know you, do I? Never seen you in my life. But that's what you're suffering with. See, I can feel like one spirit calling to the other and I get for help. See, like that. It's crossed up. It's the Holy Spirit telling you who you are. Would it help you? Would it help the audience? Miss Harrison, you can go home and be well. <laughs> Your face patient. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now here was a woman standing here with a prayer card. There's one sitting out there in the audience. See? Now it's totally impossible for me to do that. You say, Brother Vance, tell me I can't do it. I don't know. You just touch him and find out. That woman said, that was praying. And that's the spirit. Now you start praying and see what happens. You just believe it. Don't you doubt it. You believe it with all your heart. And just see what happens. Have faith. We are strangers to one another. We were born probably years apart. But if the Lord God will reveal to me something in your heart that you might know that it is it's his word, that this message that I have preached tonight, that's his word. And if that dwells in my heart, then the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents in the heart. Is that right? Just like it was when it was made flesh in the Son of God, it's the same thing in our flesh today, the church. So I couldn't do it by myself. It takes you to do it too. It takes them out there. It takes somebody else out there to have the same anointing. It'll work, but maybe they not might be able to speak it out because this is a gift. See? When I was born, gifts and callings without this in. I was just a little bitty baby boy. The same thing had happened right along all down through life. Without this You're sick because you've been consulting a doctor about something. Right? And that's, that's a true trouble, long time. And now here's the analysis of it. You be the judge. It's in the bar stop. And it's an altar inside the bar stop. It was, it isn't now. Well, 
are strangers to one another, lady. I don't know you. But God will reveal to me what you're here for. You believe me to be a prophet in his service? You will. The hernia had some trouble having such a surgery operation behind the intestinal line. Cancer now has come to hernia. That's true. You believe in he healed you? Thank God. Trouble is. 
Will you receive me as his prophet or as his servant? Will you do that? Will the audience do the same thing? Is this three yet? Well, just we got this. Something strange about me. I can't think it happened. Let the Holy Spirit reveal as I speak with you. I hope my voice is loud enough you can hear. It goes beyond now. Now here it comes to the man. A man's in a terrible condition. He's at the eye of death almost. He's shouting for death with a cancer. And the cancer is in his throat. But he's right. You know, smoking cigarettes is hard on the throat. Will you quit him? Give it up? Another thing. You're not a Christian. You're a sinner. Will you accept him as your Savior for your soul? If God, when the apostle Peter came, he was a sinner too. If God will reveal me your name and tell me your name like he did the apostle Peter, when you believe it is the Christ of God who loves you and saves you now, you'll take my word that your sins are forgiven. You will. Mr. Davis, and you go home and get well. Have faith in God. I keep feeling something coming out there from somewhere. You think I'm reading your mind. I know. Here. Just touch my hand, lady. If I will look this way and tell you what's your trouble, you'll know whether it's right or not. Is that right? Then your cancer will leave if you'll believe it. Will you believe it? Raise up your hand that so. And go. Come, lady. Will you believe, lady? If God will reveal to me, looking this way, what's your trouble? Do you believe me to be his prophet or his servant? Do you believe to be his? Thank you. Then go eat your supper. That's stomach condition too much. <laughs> if I tell you before the lady comes, she had the same thing. She's got a nervous stomach. You've had it for a long time. Go eat. You need your back up and let you sit in Well, then go straight to God. God is all God. Come in. Heart trouble or God to heal of heart trouble? God heals all the riders too. Do you know that? You believe God can heal your ass and make you well? Go recover. You believe God can heal your body and make you well? Keep going. If that other lady was healed ass and a young girl like you would be healed, they could Looking at me. 
I called her a few minutes ago when the lady had bleeding. Your face saved you. Go ahead. Do you believe with all your heart? Judgment, but passed in death to life. 
they're yours, Father. They're the tokens of this meeting. With your hands bowed, if you believe in God and hears my prayer, I want you to walk up here. If you come right out of the aisle, raise your hands. Come out here and stand here this minute. Right up around the altar. Move right down this way. Just Everyone that wants Christ right now, come right down here. Just